managing the, the workflow efficiently, it all comes down to metadata. And so really a, lot, a big part of the book does deal with metadata. And yeah, and, and that's a classic example of if you don't capture it up front and you don't capture it correctly, uh, that you know, people all the way down the chain suffer uh, from that. And so um, so we that's that's kind of a central point, Matt, that we deal with in the in the book as we go through here is is just thinking about the impacts that you're going to have and understanding what the decisions you make early on are going to uh, going to have on, on on people later on. That's Chris Lennon, Director of Standard Strategy at Ross Video, talking about his new book, The Media Workflow Puzzle, how it all fits together. You're listening to the Metadata Matters podcast from Grey Meta. In this podcast series, Grey Meta talks to people working with metadata on a daily basis to understand their perspectives and learn about best practices. In particular, I will focus on how technology like machine learning and AI can help generate, curate and work with that metadata. I'm Matt Eaton, Managing Director of EMEA at Grey Meta. In addition to talking to Chris about his new book, co-written by Clyde Smith, we talk about the role metadata plays in interoperability and standards. We also cover a number of other topics around IMF formats, the challenges of interoperability deploying into the cloud, and how our approach to building standards needs to change with the fast pace of innovation happening in the industry right now. Here's the interview. Hi, Chris. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to good to, good to have you on. Could you start off by introducing yourself? And um, I know you've got a new role uh, at uh, Ross Video as well. Could you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So um, I've been in the in the business uh, a long time. If you could see me, you'd see the gray hairs that are evidence of that. Uh, and uh, I just uh, just started with Ross Video after uh, running uh, my own company for the last eight years, and uh, have now. Uh, just joined Ross Video just about five weeks ago uh, in their uh, office of the CTO as their uh, director of standards strategy. Uh, and so I'm uh, very excited about starting a, a new part of my career uh, at this point. And your, your timing is is beautiful to uh, to get me fresh as I start out uh, you know this uh, this new phase. <laughs> And Chris, you're you're not one to uh, to slack uh, at all in terms of um, um, being work shy. Uh, you've just released a new book, uh, co-written with Clyde Smith, uh, the Media Workflow Puzzle: How It All Fits Together. And I'm sure metadata plays a role in that book, right? Oh no, not at all. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, the, this uh, this book was the the. Uh, result of multiple years, I won't put a number on it, but uh, multiple years of effort by uh, what I like to characterize as an all-star cast uh, of people who really know this business backward, forward, side to side, every way you could possibly imagine, which is what you need if you're going to solve a puzzle. And we didn't arrive upon the title of this book by accident, uh, The Media Workflow Puzzle. what we what we really looked at when Clyde and I uh, we sat down at uh, an NAB show in Vegas several years ago, and and we said, you know, there doesn't seem to be any kind of book out there that talks about media workflow from top to bottom, 
from from the time that you produce something through all the various different things it goes through through the, its whole life cycle down to distribution archive long tail reuse that sort of thing we said you know there's been a lot of great books about different pieces of this but what if you wanted to learn about how it all kind of fits fits together uh and we said it really is kind of like a puzzle right that um people tend to and, and i'm as guilty as this as, as anybody people tend to specialize in in their own little comfort area in media right uh you know some people are are very comfortable on the production side other people very com comfortable on the distribution side what have you um and and we get kind of stuck into that and the danger with that now you become a specialist you become really good at a particular area but the danger there is that a lot of us and like i said i'm as guilty as the next person we uh, we we get into this mode of not really uh thinking consciously about the impacts of our work on those who follow us uh and uh you know, it, or or think about, well, geez, I'm stuck in this situation. How did I get here? Oh, it was the decision made you know, three months ago during production that you know, we were going to do X, Y, and Z, and that all was fine at that stage. But now that I get down to create, let you know, for instance, you know, now that we're in the mode of creating literally dozens of distribution formats uh, for. Uh, uh, the various distribution outlets, you know, maybe some of the decisions made earlier have been very limiting uh, and, and you know, caused me a lot of grief down at the end of that. And uh, so we thought, yeah, this book would be a good way of kind of linking that all together. And of course, you know, pictures and sound, you know, I don't want to minimize the difficulty involved in those, but they're pictures and sound. But really, uh, the managing the the workflow efficiently it all comes down to metadata and so really a, lot, a big part of the book does deal with metadata and yeah and, and that's a classic example of if you don't capture it up front and you don't capture it correctly uh that you know people all the way down the chain suffer uh, from that and so um so we that's that's kind of a central point Matt, that we deal with in the, in the book as we go through here is, is just thinking about the impacts that you're going to have and understanding what the decisions you make early on are going to, uh, going to have on, on, on people later on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's, it's such an important point. And the, the front cover, uh, I'm just picturing it now, is a jigsaw puzzle where you're, you're fitting pieces together. And I thought it was an interesting take on it rather than mentioning supply chain, which often people do, you know, where you see it as more of a linear process. I mean, I think I think the the fact that you know, the idea of it as a jigsaw puzzle, you've got multiple touch points and it's not just one one area passing off to one other area to pass it off to one other area. It's, you know, it's a, it's a very complex uh, interaction of different departments that, that that use the same data, right? Yeah, and in fact, uh, the one thing that became, becomes very clear as you read through this is that the uh, the 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 delineation between each puzzle piece is not even all that clear anymore. That you know exactly you know where where does 
asset management end and archiving begin? Or how does distribution fit into that? And yeah, the things have, it, it's, it's not a black and white type of thing. And like you said, it's, uh, I, I really, I, I'm not nuts about the, 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 uh, the chain type of uh, visualization, because yeah, it, it implies it's linear and it's absolutely not. You know, think about an, an example of content that you, you, you produce, uh, you capture the metadata for it, you've got it all lined up, you distribute it, and then you say, okay, I'm going to archive it. Six months later, somebody says, oh, we need to repurpose that for, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put that out on Netflix now, and we need to do a bunch of things to it. Well, if you're on a chain, that doesn't really work, right? So you have to iterate back to, you know, let's say asset management, recapture all the information that you've got. Um, maybe you need to do some other post-production on it. Uh, you know, you need to format it for the, the different distribution outlet. And so, yeah, it's, it's very much an iterative process. And so it's a, I think it's a, just a better way of looking at it. Um, and, you know, maybe puzzle isn't the best word for it. It was the best we could come up with because it, it sounds intimidating, right? It's yeah. like, how am I going to solve this puzzle? Yeah. Um, but that's kind of why we put the little byline in there of how it all fits together. It's like, it's a puzzle, but we'll help you to see how this, how this all connects. So um, you mentioned NAB. Um, I, I, I had a, a reminder, you know, on my social media two years ago, I was uh, in, uh, I just landed in Vegas and uh, at NAB and yeah, we, I guess we should be there this year, but uh, yeah, later in the year, hopefully we'll, we'll see. Um, but um, what what were some of the challenges around metadata you were maybe hearing two years ago when you were at NAB and are still around today? To, to me, the value of metadata is in interoperability and making this all happen smoothly all the way through, right? You, you can do things without metadata, but they're not going to happen efficiently or smoothly. So, uh, so to me, metadata is absolutely critical. For, for all of that. Um, and, you know, the old adage of, oh, we can fix it in post doesn't really apply to metadata. You know, if you, if, if you don't get it and get it right and record it in a way that can be understood and reused by others, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and so, to, yeah, to me, it's, it's, it's all about interoperability. It's all about making things happen in as automated a way as possible and in, in as smooth a way as possible between all the little bits that have to come together. And, you know, as, as we all know in this business, there's a lot that has to come together and work. It's uh, I like to say that people who are not in our business, it's a miracle that pictures and sound get to you at home, whether it's in cinema or, or uh, on your television or on your phone. Uh, if you, if you knew what went into it, and how complex it was, you, you'd be amazed too. Um, but I guess that's true with uh, with any with any industry. But um, yeah, it, none of this happens without good solid metadata. Um, there are um, when you talk about interoperability, um, of course that goes into and I've got to put a put a plug for for my new role as director of standards strategy. Right, that comes into standards, and that's to me that's the whole reason standards exist is to make things work together. It's the only reason you've got standards. And so standards and metadata kind of uh, you know, go hand in glove here. 
that you know it's it's absolutely necessary that you have some form of agreement on how you're going to do this, how you're going to record the metadata, um, how you're going to refer to it, and and considering how it's going to be used later on, um, and that that goes into uh, a, a big area of work that's been uh, boiling up over the, over the last um, year or so in our business, uh, which is a recognition that for metadata really to to work uh, across vendors and across platforms, that we need to have at least some level of agreement uh, of the terms that we're using. Uh, you can't have you know, 10 different vendors referring to the same thing by 10 different names. Well, I guess you can, but that certainly doesn't lend itself to smooth operations. You have to have some kinds of uh, you know, mapping uh, exercises going on along the way and things can get misinterpreted, dropped, that sort of thing. So, you know, the whole area of, um, and I think it's it's ironic that people uh, call this by different things. Some people say it's a, it's vocabulary. Uh, some people say that, you know, this is a, a glossary problem. This is a terms and definitions thing. It's ontology. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny that we refer to the problem by so many names. So, you know, that's been something that's really uh, come to the fore. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's always been a challenge for us, but it's become far more acute, I think, as, uh, as we've evolved into, uh, again, maybe a, a lot more, um, well, uh, a microservice-based uh, interoperability where you have more touch points between services. Uh, so as we move to the cloud, this becomes a much bigger problem as we go toward, like I said, so many more distribution outlets now. This this becomes even more critical that you you be able to uh, handle the metadata in a more of a more of a standardized way and, and make sure that yeah, you know, I'm not saying that uh, I think that we're one day all gonna you know, join hands and sing kumbaya and have uh, you know, have a meeting of the minds and we're going to refer to everything by the same name. That's that's uh, a pipe dream. That's probably never going to happen. But I think we can make it a lot better than it is now. Yeah, yeah. And I think it comes back to your jigsaw puzzle and having that holistic view of how that metadata is going to be used downstream I, I worked at uh, Virgin Media on their cable platform, and we, we were always frustrated with some content providers at the time, this was going back a while, um, that didn't provide episodic editorial synopsis and things like that. And you know, we knew how important it was for the recommendations engine to, to, you know, to feed it with this metadata in order to kind of power and, and drive views. But, but for the content provider at the time it was just all about okay we've, we've got the content out we've we've, we've sent a, an excel spreadsheet of metadata i think i think that doesn't happen so much now i think there's there's a there's a better understanding of the importance of rich editorial metadata to drive views i think i think that's that but but i can see that happening with technical metadata and some of the requirements um, from some of the ott platforms now well, I'm I'm actually glad you mentioned that because uh, I find that so often when I read things in the trades about metadata, um, primarily they're talking about the technical metadata, and 
And while that's important, uh, I'm really glad you mentioned the more descriptive metadata, because when I think about metadata, there's the technical metadata, but that's um, you know, it's almost more of a known uh, subset of, of the, the metadata world. But the, the descriptive stuff is the more loosey-goosey stuff that's tougher to get right and that people often overlook. So I'm, I'm actually I'm really glad you mentioned that, Matt, because that's kind of a pet peeve of mine that I it, it, it never fails. And this has been the case for many years that when I when I read articles or hear people talk about metadata, I'm like, oh, this is exciting. We're going to dig into all the descriptive metadata stuff. They almost never do. They they focus on the technical stuff, and and I get it. You know, the technical stuff is is absolutely required to to get things uh, distributed and that sort of thing. But the descriptive metadata to me has become incredibly important uh, of late. Not that it was never ever unimportant, but now it's absolutely critical. So uh, right. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for mentioning that. That's uh, yeah. No, no, it's uh, it, it is it's a it's a topic that's come up a couple of times and um in in this podcast series and um I think one of the the things that is lacking around that is that everyone has a sense of its importance. Nobody wants to pay for it, and and, and it's really difficult to put a value on it, other than you know we know it's important somewhere, and uh, you know so I I do think more work is to needs to be done around that area specifically to to kind of uh, measure the effectiveness of, of, of editorial uh, data on you know viewing numbers and things like that so. yeah well you know if the, if there's one thing that's uh, i think becoming more and more challenging from not only the professional point of view but also for the consumers is discovery of content now because right. again you've got content coming at you from so many different platforms and mediums that just discovering it is you know where that used to be pretty easy if we think back to the old linear days of you look at a program guide and you decide what you're going to look at and it was you know you you had to have a basic set of descriptive metadata but not a not a whole lot there and you could you would be visually looking for it well as we as we all know now if you're subscribing to you know one of the many or you know many of the different streaming platforms just discovering content and you know, there's so much good content out there that you and I might want to see and we've never discovered it because it's hard to find you know and so you know the uh, the metadata is what what drives I think the discoverability of it so it's not only a important thing for consumers but for the the owners of the the content if they want it to be um, you know consumed and be popular and uh, have a high value, it needs to be discoverable, and again, that that goes back to really good descriptive metadata. Uh, could you talk about some of the other aspects of the changing importance of metadata in a world where there are a lot of uh, streaming platforms and content is ubiquitous? Yeah, it's uh, you, you know it, again, it 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 drives the importance of getting it right in in the beginning, and I. Um, I find that uh, interesting now with my my new position with with Ross, and we're at kind of at the okay. I'm going to go back to the chain thing, which I hate, but we're at the top of the chain, right, with production, where we're focused everything on production. But that makes this whole thing even more important, you know, at that level that you that you think about when you're producing it. Okay, where is this content going to end up? What's going to be important that I capture in terms of of metadata? What formats? audio and video am I going to need to support? 
all that sort of thing. And you know, without again that holistic view, yeah, you know, this stuff doesn't just happen by magic, right? It it happens because people think about it, you know, upfront and and do the right things. So, um, so I I find it's it's this has actually been really interesting coming into this new role and being at the at the the, the tip of the spear, if you will. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, maybe have the opportunity to um, to to drive a lot of these discussions downstream to say, okay, we're at, we're at the being being beginning of this. We can really help to make it uh, um, better all the way through. People always used to say content is king, and I won't I won't dispute that. But you could make the argument that metadata is actually king because without the metadata. Nobody finds your content. Your content doesn't have the same value that it had before. Your huge investment in the production of it is, you know, maybe not fully realized on the back end. Um, so, um, yeah, and and yeah, not to not to go into buzzword bingo, but you know, everybody was talking about the long tail for for content, you know, a few years ago. But that's even more important now that you know you're again this this people are finding all kinds of new uses for content that they thought they had used up all the value and they discover there's a lot more value to this content I've got. And, you know, this, this library I've got, um, I could do so much more with it. So uh, again, you know, with, without the metadata in there, you know, a great example of that. Um, I'm a big fan of IMF, um, uh, not the International Monetary Fund, but the interoperable master format. <laughs> um, not that I have anything against the uh, International Monetary Fund, make that clear. But um, but I think I think IMF is a super powerful approach uh, in our business, and I think it's come along at the right time uh, for us, where we need to be able to be efficient about repurposing content um, and in not distributing multiple copies of the same piece of content. Um, yeah, and, and and we always say that you know yeah our business is different you know, than a lot of other ones and people use that as an excuse for a long time for why have we not gone into the cloud pre-COVID um, you know why have we not gone to more of a services oriented uh, uh, approach and um, you know people said well we're different we have these monstrous files we need these huge pipes but I don't think that's necessarily true if you embrace things like IMF where they completely lean on metadata um, to repurpose the content. And, you know, you have basically one, you know, it's not really a mezzanine file, but a, a mezzanine file with, you know, one copy of the audio, uh, all, the, all the audio tracks that you might have, the video, and just use metadata to drive the versioning of it. And to me, um, you know, that became important initially for the studios, for for motion pictures, which are admittedly huge files that have to be moved around, but I think this is equally powerful for um, you know the 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 traditional television uh, business with TV programs and I think commercials too. Um, the things you can do with metadata. Think about uh, all the different versions of a particular commercial you might see out there. There could be hundreds of versions of a particular commercial. Um, what if we could just drive all that with metadata? I think that's super powerful as well. I think IMF relies on time-specific metadata. Recently, I was talking to Matt Westrop from A&E Networks, and he was talking about the importance of repurposing archival 
content and 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 the the place of time specific metadata within that. Yeah, and, and I think one thing we didn't touch on, but may, you know, maybe you've touched on with with other people in this series when you when you talk about the importance of metadata is the uh, the the globalization and consolidated consolidation of our of our business that we've seen. Um, I think it makes again the whole the whole area of metadata much more important. Where we've got far fewer uh, big media organizations out there with enormous libraries of content, which are being repurposed for different regions of the globe, which you're not only talking multi-language, but you're talking different cultures, you know, different editorial requirements, that sort of thing. And, you know, there's the, you know, and, and it's, it's not only the traditional thing that we're thinking about with, you know, Hollywood makes a movie and they need to distribute it globally. I think now that we have, again, so much global consolidation of the media business, I think we're probably going to see a lot more uh, content coming from perhaps smaller international markets up bubbling up to the larger, you know, coming up to, to the UK, to the US, and us you know, discovering this wonderful content that's been produced in, in other countries. And you've got that potential. But again, you know, being able to to repurpose that is is all driven by uh, by the metadata. So um, one other thing we didn't talk about, but it's a favorite topic of mine, and I know for sure it's topic favorite topic topic of yours is um, AI slash ML, and you know that's become of course uh, a really hot thing. And it's you know it's not just because it's cool; it is cool, of course. Um, but you know, it, it, to me, that's gone from being a, uh, kind of a, a cool technology that we saw, you know, in the early days, I, I characterize it more as a cottage industry that you had all these, you know, little companies doing little, little bits of what they called AI or ML, whether it was or not is unimportant. And that's a whole other um, podcast probably to talk about that. But, um, but it, it's, I think that we're seeing that mature uh, necessarily, right? Uh, again, by, uh, us uh, having to move more to um, remote production and, re and remote management of our facilities uh, that uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, maybe we got away with not having automated before uh, has become absolutely critical that we do automate it. And again, this all goes back to the, the, the distribution challenge of all the different platforms as well. So, um, and that, you know, Again, to me, maybe people don't always think about that being a, a metadata thing, but to me, everything I can think of in media about or around AI and ML is about getting metadata or utilizing metadata in an efficient way. You, you, you've given some good advice just there, actually. But, uh, but you know, for broadcasters looking to design and deploy cloud-based uh, media workflows. Um, are there any other words of advice you have regarding uh, metadata? Yeah, so, um, well, I'll, I'll return to what we talked about early in the podcast, which is um, where we have uh, points that are critical that we agree on, uh, let's agree on them. And things like vocabulary is absolutely foundational to making all this work together. So things like that, I think, are are critical. and um, and like I kind of referred to earlier, when you're when you're talking about metadata, metadata is all about interoperability. 
And the other thing that's all about interoperability of, is, of course, standards. And so, um, you know, I'm not I'm not a person who says we need standards for the sake of standards. Um, but we any time that we have a challenge when it comes to interoperability, and like I said, with the with the move more toward the cloud, which I think is undeniable now, toward microservices, uh, where interoperability is absolutely critical. And it's actually not easier than it was before. That's kind of a misperception. People think, oh, this all works together better than it ever did before. Uh, I actually think that's false. Uh, I think things, things require a lot more effort to work together now than they ever did before. Uh, you know, you've got more players involved, uh, you know, more touch points. And whenever you have a handoff, in particular, you have a handoff of metadata from one entity to another, you know, in the in the old days of the monolithic systems that we all uh, knew and hated, I was going to say knew and loved, but knew and hated. You know, looking back on it, um, it was it was difficult, but you know, we kind of had our arms around it. Um, when you break apart these monoliths into a bunch of little pieces, that all sounds wonderful until you try to make metadata flow between all these little pieces. So, um, so again, it needs to be done thoughtfully. Uh, you know, and I think it's important to you know, consider all the impacts that you've got. So uh, to me, um, standards are, are actually more important than they ever have been, um, but they need to be, I think, very different than how we thought about standards in the past. Um, standards have always suffered in our business from the uh, image of taking years to develop and having committees of 100 people or something like that and they don't get published until they're perfect. Um, I think the, the days of, of that are gone. I don't think we can tolerate that anymore. We've seen that uh, you know, certainly with the, the, the pace of change just with the pandemic recently. Uh, the, and I don't think it's just the pandemic, but they, it helped to accelerate the, the pace of change. And I, I don't think I see that slowing down, that you know, we by necessity, we need to be Again, if you've got your buzzword bingo card out there, we need to be agile. Um, you know, we, we need to be able to react really quickly um, to changes in this business. And, uh, you know, the, this business, which, you know, started out very, very linear and stayed linear for decades. Look at how that's changed over the just the last five years. And then look at the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, what's changed. And I think if, uh, you know, if you if you project that out to the next few years, we're going to have to, um, if standards are, are going to be critical, which I think they are, they're going to have to adapt as quickly as uh, the vendors are. So it's going to have to be the sort of thing that we come up with a, a problem that needs to be solved and we solve it in a matter of, of weeks or months. Uh, otherwise, we're going to have some real impediments to, uh, to interoperability. So that's been kind of a, a flag I've been flying uh, within SIPTI and some of the other standards bodies is, you know, we need to we need to adapt and we need to be able to fit this new model and you know the old the old adage of fail fast. I think that's actually you know some the, your traditional standards people would cringe at that because they're like, oh no, you can't publish publish anything until it's perfect. We don't have the luxury to do that anymore. And I'm not that I'm saying we want to publish junk. Yeah. But we need to get something out that's good enough, let people play with it and tell us if it doesn't work and then you fix it. 
if it doesn't work. And I, you know, I think, uh, you know, the vendors have figured that out, you know, that, that they need to be that way. They need to be, be agile and, and, and kind of adopt the, the fail fast type of uh, model. And I think just as an industry, we all need to, uh, you know, like it or not, we need to embrace that, um, you know, if we're going to keep moving forward at the pace that we have to. I'm really pleased to hear you say that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a significant thing for you to say that as well. So, you know, uh, thanks for sharing that. It's uh, it's great. And I, I think, you know, through actual usage, these standards get refined more quickly and probably in a better direction than just, uh, you know, sitting in, a, a, you know, a back office somewhere coming up with this. Um, in, in a vacuum so you know uh, yeah you only you only learn so much in, in a lab or in a plug fest you know those are all great but yeah there's there's, there's nothing like making something you know putting something together and making it go live by monday <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's nothing like that to give you pressure and and to expose where things you know maybe fall short a little bit and you you learn very quickly what needs to be fixed and i think you know, if, if if we all kind of take that uh, take that approach, and and if the standards organizations can embrace that, and I think they are, um, we're all going to be better for it. Amen. That's great, <laughs> Chris. Uh, we we run out of time, but I mean, we it's so valuable to, talking to you. Really useful getting your insights, and um, I just want to give you one final plug for the media workflow puzzle. How it all fits together. Uh, can, can you tell us how um, our listeners can get hold of this um, book? Yeah, um, it's available through a, a variety of outlets. If you like getting things off of Amazon, it's certainly up there. Um, it's available directly from the, the publisher, uh, Rutledge. Uh, so really probably the best thing to do is if you just Google the media workflow puzzle, um, that should come up on the first page of your uh, results. Believe it or not, and this one shocked me, Matt. Um, it's even available at Walmart. <laughs> so <laughs> I really don't know why, and I don't know how many people are going to buy this through Walmart. But hey, it's uh, it, it's it's flattering that I you know we've got we've got a book for our business that uh, that Walmart is selling. So. Uh, that's certainly omni-channel uh, distribution. There, that's that's great. <laughs> that's, uh, very good, um, uh, Chris. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you joining me. Uh, thanks for the opportunity, Matt. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I uh, look forward to talking to you later. Thanks. You can subscribe to the Metadata Matters podcast at Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you'd like to find out more about generating enriched time-specific metadata or GreyMeta's Curio platform, visit greymeta.com or email me at metadatamatters, one word, at greymeta.com. See you next time.